Welcome to the Gingsberg Podcast. After today's message, take a sec and download the Gingsberg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Gingsberg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step with your journey with Jesus. Very warm welcome to you, my friends, on this day. Good morning. My name is Dennis, and I am grateful to see each and every one of you, and welcome to those worshiping with us online this morning. We're kicking off a brand new teaching series on prayer this morning. I'm excited for the next three weeks. Before we begin, I want to take a moment of personal privilege and say thank you. One year ago today, I started as your new senior pastor, and I'm just grateful. Well, thank you, thank you. Praise God. Praise God. That was about 90% of you that said amen. The other 10%, I grow on you. <laughs> But I made it as long as BW Day, Dan. I noticed that. He was only here one year. So only, if you're listening, Mike Slaughter, only 37 more years. I'm going to catch you. <laughs> It was on that day, though, if you remember, we had a large cross that loomed in this room. And we gathered beneath the cross of Jesus. Over the past year, we've experienced a lot of great things, and I feel like we're family. We've experienced growth in many different ways. People ask me, where are we going as Gigginsburg? And I say, well, only God holds the future, but I know where we'll be in the future. We're going to be beneath the cross of Jesus. Galatians chapter 2, for I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. In the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And here's the good news, church, that when we give our lives away, we gain life. Amen? And God says, welcome to life. Welcome to life. Well, today, I've got a job to do to teach from this word today. And so I invite you to Luke chapter 18. And what I want to do today as we kick off this series of prayer, I want to share with you a story that will motivate you to pray more. That sound good? You say, well, that must be some sort of story, pastor, to motivate me to pray. Well, actually, Jesus, when he was speaking to his followers, he said, I'm going to tell you this story and it's going to motivate you to pray. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, good. Well, it's found in Luke chapter 18, starting at verse 1. I'm going to read a little bit to you, and I'm going to talk about it, and then we'll come back and finish it up. Luke chapter 18, starting at verse 1. Here's the story from Jesus. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show them they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city. He said, neither who feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while. But finally, he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. Let me pause right here. 
And let me pray. Oh, Lord, help us. What a story. You said it would motivate us to pray more. And so as we look at this classic tale entitled The Persistent Widow, we pray that we might love you more dearly and follow you each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this story, friend, there are two main characters. Did you catch them? First is the widow. The widow. Now, when we think of widows, what do we think of? Well, we got to be careful here. We got to put on our first century glasses and not look at today's culture. Because in today's culture, when we think of widows, we could think of someone we know. And widows in our culture come in all kinds of different forms. Widows in our culture say nothing about one's social status. One can be a widow here in the Miami Valley and be wealthy. They can be one of great um, fame. They could be one of great influence. They could be a leader. And we have many leaders in our church who are widows. And so it says nothing about their certain status in the culture. But remember, Jesus was not speaking to us here in America in the 21st century. He was speaking to a first century audience in which women were, as I've said many times, at best second-class citizens. At worst, they were property of their fathers or their husbands. If their husband was dead, it would be a son who would take them under their wing. And so it was a much different culture than today. It seems like she had no support system, as we will see later in the story, because she's looking for hope. And so as she comes here, this person would have been, at least in the culture eyes, one who would, there'd be assumptions, perhaps poor, devoid of power and status, prestige, connections, perhaps unemployed, needing some help. The modern day equivalent might even be a homeless person or a bag lady that you might see on the street. So Jesus begins telling this story that this woman, without any status, without any power, without any connection, she's being harassed by a local villain. Now, the villain is just a, a sub-character in the story. We don't even know the villain's name. We don't know much about the villain. But we know some way he is taking advantage of her. He is harassing her. In the text here, in this translation, he is called an enemy, Perhaps he is stealing money from her. Perhaps he is abusing her, taking advantage of her physically or sexually. Or maybe he's just evicting her from her uh, humble dwelling. We just do not know. But she needs help. And so she cries out for help. Enter the second main character in the story, which is who? The local judge. Now, Jesus described the local judge in Luke chapter 18 as one who had no fear of God, no respect of other people. He is a person who doesn't care about others. He is free to abuse and critique others because, frankly, my dear, he didn't give a hoot about anyone around him. They were simply headaches and hassles. Now, I want you to get the picture in your mind. Here we have this helpless woman in that cultural setting 
could not really give him anything that would be of gain or social blessing. Coming to the one person that can help her to a ruthless judge who could care less. You're thinking to yourself, this is not shaping up very good, is it? Well, the widow comes and pleads her case. We don't know much about the details other than we know the conclusion, but we know Jesus said for some time this went on. It's easy to assume that she throws herself on the mercy of the court. She says, I have nowhere else to turn. No one's going to help me. Please, please, please help me. And as you might have guessed, at least initially, the judge looked at her and scoffed, who needs to bother with a bellyaching bag lady? Get her out of here. Throw her out of my court. Next. So this widow's rejected. Doesn't have anyone to turn to. She doesn't know what to do. She's probably thinking to herself, well, who's going to help me? I have no husband. I have no son. I have nobody. Who's going to help me from being saved from this enemy that's harassing me? I know that this judge is my only hope. I need to go back to him. And so she put a plan together. I know what I'll do. I'll start to annoy him. (laughs) I'll start to pester him. I'm going to pester this judge. I'm going to pester this judge until he offers me salvation or he kills me. I'm going to be on him like a shirt. I, I'm going to be his nightmare, the mother of all nightmares. I'm going to pester him until he grants my request or he puts con- me in concrete shoes and throws me in the river. And so day after day, week after week, maybe month after month, we don't know how long this went on, she pesters this judge. When he would show up, she would show up. When he would be around, she would be around. She, we find her pleading and pestering him. And guess what? It works. (laughs) The judge finally gives in. Now, in my own mind, I can imagine this judge. Can you imagine him back in his little chambers saying to his underlings, pulling his hair out, I can't stand it anymore. Just get rid of her. Grant her request. Let her get what she wants, protect her, do whatever you have. I never want to see her again. Just give it to her and move on. And so finally, she receives the protection given down from the judge who didn't want to give it. So the happy ending of this story for the widow is she receives the positive blessing because of her ability the pester. Do you like that? So what's the moral of this message? What's the take home? In the worship design group of our church, we meet on Tuesday. Sometimes I go over these messages and people say very directly, so what's the take home? So what's the, okay, let's do something here. Well, some might say, okay, I learned something at church today. It pays to pester. That is the only way you're going to get something from someone who doesn't want to give it to you. And I found that's true sometimes in life. Uh, 
In the late 1990s, I was a young pastor, pastoring in Hamilton, Ohio, north of Cincinnati and Butler County. I had just been out of seminary for a few years, and I desired for Dr. Ellsworth Callis, who was at the time, the late uh, 20th century, at least in America, one of the well-known great orators of Methodism. He pastored for years at the Cathedral of Methodism in Cleveland at Church of the Savior. Uh, people would hang on every word. Bishop Palmer talks about how when he was younger, he would always tune in between his own services and listen to Dr. Callis. Dr. Callis later came to Asbury Seminary, and he actually married uh, Pastor Fitz and Marcy in the chapel there. And uh, he was well-known, became the president of Asbury Seminary. Uh, I had a personal connection with him. He was a, a family friend of my uncle who was a pastor in Cleveland. And, and so I love Dr. Callis. We've done some studies here at Gingsburg over the years and his parables of the backside. And so I asked him several times if he would come up to my church in Hamilton to preach. We would do a great campaign, get people out, Dr. Cowles, if you'll just come up and lead a revival weekend. He was gracious. He was kind. He was quite busy. And he would always write me back and say, Dennis, I found affections of your family. Thank you for your kind invitation. But just with my schedule, it's impossible to do that. But I wouldn't take no for an answer. And I asked him several times. Finally, I get this surprise letter <laughs> in the mail. And he goes, Dennis, you are just like the persistent widow in Luke chapter 18. <laughs> and I know that if I say no this time, you're just going to ask me again. So I'm going to give you one date and you just clear your schedule and I'll be able to come up on this one day. And we did. We had a glorious time. Hamilton was blessed for the glory of God. It was just a great time. Dr. Callis is now in heaven with the Lord, but I have those great memories many, many years ago. And I thought to myself, ding, 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 ding it pays to pester. It may be the only way that a person can get something, perhaps from someone who doesn't want to give it. <laughs> now, when I started this message, if you're still tracking with me here, I said that Jesus, when he told this story in Luke 18, he said, this is a story that's going to motivate you to pray more. And so people over the years have scratched their head and said, okay, now what does that mean? What is the direct connection to me and my prayer life. People then have read Luke 18 and some believers trying to figure it out said, okay, what was Jesus striving at? This story must be an allegory. And then they would take it to the next step. If it's an allegory, okay, who are we and who is God? Of course, then they assume God, we must be who? The widow. We're the widow. Poor, helpless, person of no status. And God, well, yeah, if you're making a connection, God must be the judge. God is busy. God's got planets to spin and harps to tune. And God doesn't have really a lot of time for us. And so what do we have to do? Okay. If we're the widow and God is the judge, then we've got to pester God. We've got to pray more. We've got to spend more time in prayer. We, we've got to gather together more. And we've got to squeeze our hands a little 
tighter. We've got to start banging on the doors of heaven. You ever heard someone say, I'm storming the gates of heaven for you on your behalf. We've got to put our knees and press a little harder in the concrete and suffer a little more. And we've got to call a corporate pestering session with all of our church friends here at Gingsburg and do these pestering prayer chains and get on the internet and sooner or later we'll wear God down. Sooner or later, God will say to his angels, Gabriel, Michael, I can't stand it anymore. Fix this guy. Fix this woman. Just do whatever they want to because they'll never stop. You believing in any of this? A lot of people think that way, right? I'm just not praying enough. You know why a lot of people don't pray? It's not that they don't believe in God. They don't believe in Jesus. But they don't pray because they say they just don't have the energy. They just don't have what it takes. It's too hard to do it. Now, we begin this message by saying that this message is a message that motivates people not to pray less, but to pray more. Are we missing something here? You still with me? Well, let's read the rest of the story. I, I cut off at verse five. So Jesus now tells the meaning of the story. Verse six. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So, don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he says, he will grant justice to them quickly. Underline the word quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? So friends, this story in Luke 18 is not an allegory. Instead, it is a cleverly devised study in contrast. In other words, Jesus is saying... We are not like the widow. We are totally unlike the widow. We are 180 from the widow. The widow had no power, no status, was abandoned, forgotten, alone. But if we're part of the family of God, if we are in Christ, we are a new creation in Christ, that now we are part of God's family, we are an heir to the king. In Christ, you are a daughter, amen? You are a son. You have special privilege in Christ. And God, is God like the unrighteous, ruthless judge? No, God is totally different than the judge. God is opposite of the judge. The judge was cruel. The judge was grumpy. The judge was disrespectful. God is righteous. God is holy. God is kind. Psalm 34, verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Psalm 103, verse 8, the Lord is gracious 
and merciful, slow to anger. Any parents in the room? This is crowd participation. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. There's only about 30 parents in the room. Come on, gang. Any parents in the room? Now think this through here. Remember when your children were young. Some of you have young children. Think about your care for your child. You're busy. Many of you are tremendously busy with your children. You're also tremendously busy at work, outside the home. And so you're trying to manage all these different things. You are a leader of leaders and you are balancing a lot of different things. You're spinning a lot of plates. There are a lot of people who perhaps want your attention by speaking to you. And then you get calls. Sometimes you've got to say, I can't take that call. But when you get a call from your daughter, they need to talk to you. When you get a call from your son, you may put some other people aside, but you take that call. Now, why do you take that call? Well, you know why. Because no one's voice sounds sweeter to your ear than your child's voice. Now, I want to say something here that's going to touch your heart right here today. Listen, no one's voice sounds sweeter to God than your voice. That went over some of your heads. Some of you just blew me off right there. You disconnected. You're saying, not me. You don't know my past. I've got baggage, pastor. Not me. No, in Christ, no one's voice sounds sweeter to God than your voice. You matter to him. Now, I want to tell you why this simple message motivates me to pray. It reminds me that God is not simply interested in me, but he is interested in everything about my life and my heart. And he, 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 he's concerned, just like you as a caring parent, you're concerned about your children. He's interested in my prayers because he's interested in me. Do I have to remind you that God's got this universe pretty well going okay. There's not a lot of worries to God about making sure the order of the cosmos stays together. Probably not concerned this morning, at least God's not about the sun rising in the east. He's got the planet spinning okay. No need to worry about that. You don't need to think that you're pestering God to get his attention, to draw him away from something else. <laughs> now, sometimes in our prayers, God simply says no, or God says not yet. We think that God is not listening. God is listening, but he's saying that's not good for you or not yet. Be patient with me. And that'll be in next week's message, perhaps. But what I want to say is that God is not simply interested in me and you, but God is able. Now hear this before we end. If God is able to create the world from nothing to something, 
If God is able to part the Red Sea as our faith declares, if God is able in Christ to calm the winds and the waves on the Sea of Galilee, and God is able to raise his son from the tomb in Jerusalem, amen, then God is able to meet your needs and to care for your prayers. Jesus said that I'm sharing this story to motivate you to pray. And I hope it does. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, Lord, today, we thank you that we're not like the widow, broken, no status, poor. But we are your child. I thank you for all the parents in this room who try real hard to care. How much more as our Heavenly Father do you care for us? And so we come to you I thank you that you're interested and you're able. I thank you for the greatest gift that you've given to us to make it possible for us to be your son and daughter by Jesus going to the old rugged cross for us. I thank you for the healing that's ours in your broken body. And I thank you, Lord, for forgiveness, true forgiveness through your shed blood on the cross. And Lord, today... Teach us to pray. We come as an offering of praise and prayer as we come forward today and respond to your word and your way. In Jesus' name. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you would like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Gingosburg app or online at gingosburg.org.